Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. Joining me is Michael Roper. He's the CEO of Muscle Maker Inc. Good morning, Michael. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. So, so Michael, for those that aren't familiar with Mus- Muscle Maker, can you just give us a quick overview of the company? Sure. Um, so, real quickly, we are, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about us, we are a healthier for you. Um, chain, restaurant chain, with three concepts today, which is Muscle Maker Grill Restaurants, Pokimoto, Hawaiian Poke, and Superfit Foods, which is a meal prep company. And so we, we run these healthier for you options that are out there as restaurants and franchising uh, concepts, mostly focused on Pokimoto, which is where all of our growth is, and I can get into that here in a little bit as well, what that really means. But we've recently also just added a fourth division to the company called Sadat. And that focuses on really the food supply chain, for lack of a better definition. It was a diversification strategy. So we are now shipping grain products, like wheat and corn, those kind of things, all over the world, you know, or whatever, between countries. And so, you know, it's part of a vertical for us. It's part of a a, a different business line. And and I can get into more details on that. But we are a restaurant company that's also involved in the entire supply chain for food. Okay, you're for a small company. You're, you're taking on a lot. Uh, just curious, how to, we'll mm-hmm. go into later. But Sadat is that um, part of your um, sourcing or, or supplies for the other chains? Not at this stage yet necessarily. So Sadat is actually focused on the raw product, right? So the, the actual grains themselves. So it might be soybean, could be wheat, could be corn. You know, it could be those type of products that are out there, and they're they're shipping into you know, the large producers. So you're taking it from the, the, the farmers, for lack of a better definition, out of one country, shipping it to another country, it's going into the producers, and then they're milling it and doing all their things, you know, for, to get some of those products. So can some of it end up in our restaurants today? Sure, but that's not what's currently happening. That's like the ultimate goal. Okay. And so let's just briefly talk about each of the different concepts that you have. So, so Muscle Maker, um, I, I guess let's talk about first, what's your biggest concept to date? So from the restaurant perspective, Pokimoto Hawaiian Poke is our biggest concept. We started with Muscle Maker Grill about 25 years ago, um, and we've got 16 locations open today, kind of spread out you know, across the U.S. in different areas, and that's focusing, again, on healthier for you options. So instead of having you know, um, white rice might be brown rice. Instead of having regular bread, it might be whole wheat. It's, it's, it's like, you know, chicken and, and very lean proteins, those type of things, right? So healthier versions of, of common, you know, meal pl- uh, platforms today. That's Muscle Maker Grill. Superfit Foods, which is our third area in the restaurant side, that is a meal prep company that is located in Jacksonville, Florida, and it's very similar to some of the other meal prep companies that are out there. It might be like Freshly, might be... Um, like Blue Apron or, or HelloFresh, one of those kind of things, except for a little bit different. Instead of delivering meals to your home, we focus on delivering meals to pickup locations that are normally inside of like workout facilities. So take a Superfit, uh, uh, super I'm sorry, <laughs> CrossFit, I get hooked up on Superfit, right? Um, like a CrossFit gym. Um, they'll have you know, branded coolers in there. So we'll drop off meals twice a week. So as you go work out, you pick up your meals. And those meals are focused on like, you know, uh, protein-based or, you know, diabetics or low-sugar, low-fat, you know, low-calories, whatever it might be, right? You have different plans you can do, and that's a subscription-based model. But what we're mostly excited about and where most of our growth is from the restaurant side of the equation is Pokimoto. That's where we have 29 current locations open, 
but we're really pushing the franchising side of the business there. So we've, we've sold about 61 franchises, um, so we have about 50 of those to still open today. So just, you know, you're going to have more than a doubling of your footprint on your stores just from that. And, you know, to give you a little bit of a, of a, of a background on me a little bit, I actually come from um, a franchising background. I was not only a franchisee, but I was also the chief operating officer of Quiznos Worldwide that helped grow that chain to over 5,000 locations. So I kind of get how to grow franchise concepts. Um, you know, that's out there. So that's got something really excited for us about Pokemoto as we move forward. And the, uh, the muscle maker, is that, should we look at that as a legacy business or is there growth there still and are you franchising that? Yeah, the muscle maker I'd look at as a legacy business. There's not a lot of growth there per se. Um, you know, we like to say we're optimizing that brand as we, you know, figure out what do we really want to do there. And it, it's kind of, you know, our strategy you know, in reality is we're looking at every single muscle maker location and can we do some kind of a combo um, unit with Pokimoto. So we've actually launched, um, or, or in a process of launching, I should say, um, some of those combo locations um, in a couple areas. So pretty excited about that. We'll be able to serve both Pokimoto and muscle maker inside the same uh, facility. Okay, so I'm bouncing around a little bit, but if you looked at Pokimoto versus uh, muscle maker on a once the store is established on a revenue per month, is one of them a higher revenue per month? Yeah, the Pokemotos are definitely a higher revenue per month. Um, and, you know, that's, again, that's where all of our growth is happening today and what we're focusing on, really in that franchising side of the equation. But we are opening up some corporate locations as well. Gotcha. And, and are these, they're fast casual, I'm guessing? Yeah, they're, they're considered fast casual. Um, you know, more than they are. We, they're, they're kind of, they're, you know, most of these locations are inside like a strip center, um, you know, where you might see, you know, other type of restaurant concepts that are there where you have to get out of your car and go inside and, you know, sit down. So it's, it's kind of like what happens at Panera or really it's better to look at Chipotle as an example, right? That's the same operating process as Chipotle. Uh, you're choosing your bowl, your burrito, you're choosing your base, you're choosing your protein and all your toppings. But instead of being you know, Mexican food like Chipotle, it's really Hawaiian food with a, a twist with um, influences from like Japan, Korea, those type of places. Okay. And price point wise, are you similar to a Chipotle or what? Yeah, we're in that 10 to $15 range um, for a pretty typical ticket. Okay. And then, I'm, I'm sorry, on, on Poke, um, you said you have how many uh, store owned and, and how many franchises? So right now, we've got 29 total locations that are open. Out of those 29, I'm going to think here, there's about 12 or 13 that are corporately owned and operated. The rest are franchises. Now, we do have an additional um, 51 franchises that have been sold um, that haven't opened yet. So you've got a whole bunch of growth on the franchise side still coming forward. Okay. And then these concepts, did you guys start them or acquire them? Uh, we started Muscle Maker Grill. Um, and again, we as a company, um, they were acquired. Geez, I don't know, going back to 2016 timeframe, somewhere in there. Um, but that's kind of like our our legacy brand, right? And then Superfit Foods and Pokemoto were both acquired in 2021 um, during the pandemic. Gotcha. Okay, and then and the Poke concept. What does it cost to open up a new store and and What's the, the payback mm -hmm. there? 
Yeah, so what's really cool about Pokimoto is um, it doesn't cost as much as a typical restaurant. And the reason behind that is we don't have really any cooking that happens inside of our restaurant. It's mostly prep work, okay? We don't have grills. We don't have deep fryers. We don't have, you know, hood systems and special fire suppression systems and all that, right? Because all the stuff is really, it's all fresh ingredients, you know? So it's, it's, all, it's all fresh fruits. It's all fresh vegetables. You're getting in either pre-cooked proteins or because it's poke, you know, it's sushi grade, you know, tuna and salmon. So there's no cooking, obviously, with that, right? And so, you know, you don't have a lot of cooking. The only cooking really you do is really like rice and soup, right? That's about all the cooking you have. So because you don't have all those extra, you know, pieces of equipment in there and all the extra leasehold improvements, we're able to build out a Pokemoto on the lower end at about 125000 Now, that's all in. That includes your franchise fees. That includes... Um, your equipment, your build-out, your, your deposits, your working capital, your opening inventory, training, all that stuff, okay, is in there. On the low side, it's about 125. On the high side, is about just, I'll, I'll call it 300,000. And, and again, it kind of depends on where you're building a location and the size of the location is why you have that much of a fluctuation in there. Um, obviously, if you're building in a place like, you know, New York or California, your costs are a little bit higher um, than they will be in like Wichita. So, and then obviously as you build out a, you know, a, a larger location, you've got more, you know, seating and flooring and all that kind of stuff you have to do than a smaller location. A, a typical location that's kind of in a sweet spot is around 1,100 to 1,200 square feet. That's what you're really looking for at the end of the day. Okay. And then the prep, is that done on premises or is that hub and spoke or what? Um, it depends on the item, right? 90% of it happens on premise. Uh, there's a few things that come in already prepped, um, you know, so like, for example, our, our uh, tuna already comes in kind of prepped, right, meaning it's, it's already diced up in cubes and all that to the right size. But other than that, it all happens at store level, including what really is the, the biggest differentiator between all pokey places is our sauces, right? Um, you know, when you take a look at pokey, you know, there's really not a lot of difference between, you know, my edamame and somebody else's edamame, right? It's all, it's, it's edamame, right, at the end of the day. But it really boils down to your uniqueness of your sauces. And so we've got about nine sauces right now. We do have limited time only sauces that come out, so it fluctuates a little bit, but we've got um, nine core sauces that are all made in-house with our proprietary recipes. And that's really what makes the difference between most poke places. Okay. And so how about geography? Where are you concentrated and, and where are you going? Mm-hmm. So most of our locations, um, and, and the chain was originated up in, and I'm talking Pokemoto now, um, was up in Connecticut, right? So we've got a big presence up in the northeast between, you know, all those, um, you know, all those states up there, right? But we are now expanding beyond that. Um, we're able to, recently we announced we're able to um, sell franchises in all um, 48 continental United States um, states just added California and New York here um, in the last couple months, and so we are starting to see locations opening. So you know we've now expanded down into Texas here. I'm in I'm in the Dallas area. We opened up our first Dallas area um, Texas location about two weeks ago. Um, we've opened up you know recently in Kansas. We've got stuff in Mississippi. We're we're actually in 16 states total, right, um, with open locations today. But again, the biggest concentration is up there in the Northeast. Okay, so so the growth strategy, um, it's it's to push franchises, or or, or what is mm-hmm. the growth strategy? 
Yeah, it's all about franchising. We'll still have some corporately owned and operated locations, um, and we do that to seed markets, for lack of better definition. So if we want to expand into the Houston market, um, let's say, right, we might add a um, corporate owned and operated location there just to, you know, get a presence in the market, right? And my experience is, is once you have a location opened, you start to get people you know, wanting to buy a franchise, right? They go in, they taste the food, they go in, they see, you know, lines of people, they, they like the whole decor, everything else is there. They're more likely to buy a franchise versus trying to talk to somebody and the closest restaurant might be hundreds of miles away, right? Until you get bigger, that's a problem, right? And so we may have some corporately owned and operated locations to do that. Um, so there will be some there. But other than that, it's mostly on franchising. You know, so we, we have an entire franchise sales team that's out there in support and training, you know, and all those different uh, pieces from a franchising perspective. And so we're out, you know, pretty actively seeking franchisees, you know, all across the United States. Now, we do approve, you know, where those locations go. Um, you know, so we're not going to let somebody put it in the middle of nowhere with a population of, you know, 500 people in a town. That's not going to work, right? So, you know, we look for specific demographics that are out there. And, um, you know, really kind of sky's the limit, right? We, we go after that from a franchising perspective. And again, going back to the, myself and the team's background, we are, you know, franchising experts, for lack of a better definition. And so um, we get how to do hyper growth. We get how to do all the, you know, support mechanisms for it and what's required and what makes a difference between, you know, our franchise and other locations that are out there. So um, pretty exciting from that perspective. So when you franchise, is it you know is it to to one party or are you doing um, master agreements for for multiple stores? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, a little bit of both, right? We're starting off with, now. We have some master agreements, like we have um, somebody up in the Massachusetts area that's got a master agreement um, with 15 locations, you know. So that's a that's a you know pretty nice agreement for us. But um, reality, most of it has been you know a one or two franchise agreement and then people started adding on afterwards which is really important so what what's you really want your franchise system as best as possible you'd rather have the growth with your existing franchisees than always having to bring in new people right so you know it's pretty encouraging to us that you know you get a franchisee who opens your location and then they call you up and say hey I'm ready to do my second or my third or my fourth or whatever it might be and you kind of grow through some of those as well so that's that organic growth that's probably you know some of the best growth you can have and that's that's what we've been experiencing quite a bit is that organic growth um, that's out there so it starts off as a you know one D Tuesday and starts growing from there okay and the the corporate owned Pokemoto are, are those profitable mm-hmm. yeah those those are profitable and um, you know, we're, we're pretty excited by what happens there. We actually have one location that I think is kind of interesting. We took a Muscle Maker Grill that was at Fort Meade, um, Maryland, uh, you know, one of the military bases where Muscle Maker Grill was at, and we converted it to a Pokemoto, and um, not a combo, but a full conversion. And so we found that our sales there went up, you know, three plus, you know, times or whatever, just opening up the Pokemoto. So pretty exciting from that perspective. Okay, and then what what are the economics on on franchising? So um, it's it's really kind of cool. There's three different ways that you can have um, revenue come in from a franchising perspective. The first one is your initial franchise fee, and I'm talking from a franchisor perspective here. Sure. Your initial franchise fee ranges anywhere from ten thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars, and the the range in there is really 
you know, if you buy multiple locations, you might get a discount. Um, we do have a military veteran program that if you're a, a military veteran, you get um, your franchise fee for only $10,000, right? We're pretty big into trying to, you know, support the military stuff out there as best we can. So, um, you know, that's your range. So 10 to 25,000, you get that upfront. Uh, it's non-refundable, you know, and so you get that cash right away upon signing the franchise agreement. So we use that to help you know, fund the working capital of the company, right? You bring in more franchise agreements, obviously you've got, you know, more cash coming in that helps, you know, in the short term for things. The real economic benefit behind it is once you open. So once, once that franchisee opens, we collect um, up to 6% of royalties on their net sales. So just as an example, you know, for math, if, if the average, you know, unit volume is $700,000, you know, 6% of that, that means every year, you know, I'll be collecting $42,000 from that location um, from royalties. So that's a pretty, you know, lucrative thing because a lot of that is actually, you know, falling to the bottom line. Um, you do have some support mechanisms that are in there from, you know, operations and training and, you know, marketing type of things, but your overhead's pretty small, relatively speaking, on that. So, you know, it's pretty, you know, exciting from that perspective to bring that in. And then a third area, um, of revenue that comes in as rebates from your vendors. So in some instances, we actually have agreements with vendors that, you know, we get a certain rebate back on a number of purchases that are out there, um, not only from corporate locations, but also franchise locations. So those are your three main uh, revenue sources that you get coming in. So do you have um, some existing franchisees out there that have been out there long enough to, to where you really have a handle on those numbers? You know, not yet. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. So, you know, I think our oldest franchisee is just a little over a year now, right? Year and a half. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of history yet because it's a relatively new chain and new concept still, right? And so, we're, you know, we're working through all that stuff. But again, I, I kind of view it as the best way of looking at it is, you know, are those guys buying more franchises? If they weren't happy with the, with the brand and with their results, they wouldn't buy more you know, obviously, right? So, um, you know, we are seeing people, you know, purchase the second, third, and fourth locations. So that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty indicative, I think, of how they're performing. Okay. And, and the meal prep, is that something you're going to grow as well? Right now, we're, gonna, we're kind of on hold with that a little bit, right? And when I say that, it's not going to grow outside of the Jacksonville market per se yet, Right. Um, we have a lot of growth inside Jacksonville without having to expand. So today we've got 34 pickup locations throughout the Jacksonville market. And again, these are in like CrossFit gyms or dance studios or whatever it might be, right, where you're going to do your workout stuff, right? Um, we have 34 of those pickup locations. Now, you know, that represents, when you take a look at the market of Jacksonville, only about 5 to 8% of the total type of workout facilities that are out there. So we have a lot of growth potential just in Jacksonville, um, you know, then worrying about expanding it into Orlando or anywhere else that's there. So that'll, that'll be down the road a little bit, um, you know, as we kind of get the Pokemoto stuff, you know, established and mature and, and, and just kind of running, right? Um, you know, we will switch our focus over towards Superfit Foods as well. Okay. And then can you give us more color on the Sadat agreement? <laughs> yeah. Mm, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. So the Sadat agreement, that is, you know, really exciting to us. That that one is, you know, has the potential to be a huge game changer, you know, for muscle maker overall. And, 
you know, as I described earlier, we kind of view it as we've got two distinct growth areas here, right? We've got the restaurants, which is what we just went through with Muscle Maker, Pokemoto, and Superfit Foods, right? Very excited about that side of the business. We were growing that. Things were, you know, doing really well on that stuff. And then, you know, we got the Sadat opportunity. And, you know, that's a totally separate, you know, group of people that are managing that, right? But, you know, it all funnels up into Muscle Maker. So it's all part of Muscle Maker overall. So that's why it's like our fourth division. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of Muscle Maker. So all the revenues and all the financials and everything funnel up, you know, into Muscle Maker as a whole. So, you know, our thought and our strategy here is to diversify Muscle Maker overall. You know, and, and I like to, you know, almost view it like this. There's two ways to view this thing in my mind. One is no matter what happens in the world, no matter – you know, if, um, you know, there's a pandemic, no matter if there's a recession, no matter if there's inflation, whatever it might be, everyone's got to eat, right? And you need to move food around the world and all that. So, you know, this is, this is raw material food, too. This isn't like finished products at this stage, right? So you're moving this stuff around. And so I think you've got, not that anything is ever, you know, foolproof from, you know, any of those kind of factors that are out there, because there's always different you know, things that pop up, but, you know, people have to eat, right? And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, we had something that stayed in the food industry and still stayed into, you know, trying to feed the world at the end of the day, right, where things are at. So, you know, that was one thing that was exciting to us about Sadat. The other piece of it is when you take a look at certain companies that are out there, and I'll use, you know, a McDonald's as an instance, right, or as an example, you know, they're not just a restaurant company you know, and or a franchise, franchisor, you know, they, they actually own a lot of the real estate that their franchisees, you know, are renting from them. So they're a big real estate company. They have their own, you know, shipping and distribution systems. They have their own production systems for, you know, specific items. They actually own a lot of their own farms, you know, at the end of the day, right? And so, you know, we're going to try to emulate that over time. We just started with the shipping of the raw grains and stuff around because that was probably the most straightforward thing to do. But we're also looking into, you know, areas like sustainable farming and, and different, you know, how, you know, producing our own products and selling them out of our stores and, 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 you know, other licensing and distribution opportunities that are out there. So, you know, kind of sky's the limit on that. Um, but just starting with the food commodity shipping has been really exciting in the short term. You know, we've generated, you know, in the first we, we call it 60 days, you know, through Q4 of operation. You know, we, we did about over, a little over $150 million in revenue um, out of Sadat shipping products, you know, around the, the world here, right? Um, you know, reality is we didn't sign the agreement until mid-November um, with the company that manages it for us. And, you know, so it's really like the first 45 days, you know, we did $150 million in sales. So, pretty exciting from that perspective. Um, you know, again, all in the food industry, all ultimately trying to create different business lines and different verticals with a full diversification um, of Muscle Maker beyond just the restaurants. Okay. Should we look for other acquisitions or, or you have enough on your plate right now? <laughs> I've got a lot on my plate right now, you know, through this whole process. But, you know, reality is we're always looking for, you know, opportunities that are out there. And so, you know, I, I would think in the short term you'll see more focus on, you know, the Sadat side of the equation just because it's new, you know, and we're getting, you know, into not only, like I said, the commodity shipping and all that stuff, and we need to be expanding that beyond what we even just had. 
um, you know, which we're, we're looking at, and then, you know, other things that they can do, right, to kind of build those different business lines. Now, if a, a you know, another pokey chain comes up, you know, that, that's for sale or something, you know, by all means, we'll take a look at it and see. The, the good news about the pokey side of the business is, um, you know, it's a fragmented segment of the restaurant industry. You know, Pokey, the largest player in Pokey, only has about 85 locations today. And so, that's, you know, there's a, a lot of smaller chains that are out there. So any acquisitions that we do um, in the Pokey side of the equation, you know, is just consolidating that network and becoming the largest player in that portion of the industry. It's really a new, you know, angle that's out there, and it's kind of in this growing infancy, if you want to say, in popularity with all the millennials and Gen Zs. So that's, you know, really exciting for us to keep doing that. So that's always going to be, you know, something that's out there as an opportunity, but I would say we're going to be focusing on, on Sadat in the near term here. Okay. And, and what's your biggest challenge? Is it inflation or sourcing? And are you able to pass on cost? We, well, from, from the restaurant perspective so far, we've been able to pass on costs for the most part. I think the biggest issue that we've been running into, uh, which a lot of people are running into, is really, you know, personnel right and, and and employees that 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 is that is the hardest thing to try to find and and retain that's out there and so we are seeing some inflationary pressures on that but the good news about our concept because we don't have cooking and all that stuff involved it's not as complex as a full service restaurant right that's out there it's not even as complex as a chipotle right we don't have to do any of that stuff like they're doing so we don't have to staff it with as many people and training um, and skill set is a lot quicker and easier than what you'll see in most restaurants as well. So we do have that advantage um, that's out there. But I'd say that's probably the biggest thing from the restaurant side of the equation. From the Sadat side of the equation, you know, frankly, it's, it's really, you know, more of, you know, how quickly we can go, right? I mean, we've got all kinds of opportunities that keep getting presented to us. And it's almost like drinking out of a fire hose a little bit, right? There's so much, it's, it's gotten so much bigger than we, you know, thought at the very beginning. You know, we always thought it would be good, right? Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, to do what we've done so far has been pretty impressive. And, and, you know, that's probably our biggest challenge is to make sure we keep bringing on, you know, experts in these areas to support that line of the business. Um, you know, we do it not only from our own people, but we could do it through, you know, different consultants, different board people, whatever it might be to help us in that whole area, um, you know, to keep us focused and keep us uh, in the know, if you want to say on where that's going. Very good. So is there anything that you wish I would have asked you uh, but didn't, and also any uh, anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, so um, a couple of quick things, right? Um, you know, I, I do want to leave everybody with the fact, I'm going to talk about two things here. One is Pokemoto right? And, you know, we talk about Superfit, we talk about Muscle Maker, but reality is we're focused on Pokemoto from the restaurant side of the equation. That's got a lot of growth ahead of it, you know, in our opinion. That's got, you know, just from the number of franchise agreements we've sold, you know, in the last, call it a year, and we sold 61, you know, 61 franchise agreements in a year, and we're just starting, you know, to, to tip that iceberg. And so we've got plenty of growth to, you know, open up locations and, and double and, and go beyond that of our restaurant footprint. So a lot of uh, potential there at Pokemoto. Then you've got, um, you know, Sadat. And, and what I don't think everyone is quite grasping yet is really what does this mean, right? 
And, you know, so what does it, what does it mean? You know, is it a totally separate company? What, what are they really doing from a strategy perspective? And ultimately, we're one company. It's all muscle maker. It's all related to food. It's all about feeding people. It's all about how do I move food from one part of the world to another part of the world and then take the entire chain up all the way through touching consumers at our restaurants and building that entire vertical that's there. So, you know, it sounds like a really big plan, you know, but reality is, is your larger you know, chains that are out there are already doing a lot of that, you know. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we're positioning ourselves, you know, to be able to be a big player in the industry, you know, not only from, you know, just Pokemoto, but all, but everything, right? Feeding the world and, and, and doing, you know, responsible stuff through sustainable farming and all those type of things, right? So all that is out there, sky's the limit on some of that. So far, we've had great results and, you know, we're just starting to scratch the surface, in our opinion, on, on both sides of the equation. So, you know, we're pretty, uh, pretty bullish on the future about where we're going with things. Well, Michael, it's a good story, and thanks for sharing it. Awesome. I appreciate it, man.